The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. You want to hear a joke? Okay. I heard this joke from an old lady. All right. All right, here we go. Okay. What do you call a cow with two legs? Lean beef? Your mom. A baha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I heard it, that from an like, old lady. I get it because it's like an insult. Right, exactly. Yeah. Cows are... You know what? I don't think of the word cow as an insult, though. Why not? They provide milk, food, sustenance. You know, they're they're very good for the, you know, for our, for our overall health. I mean, obviously you don't want to eat too much beef, but they keep the grass. You know, they eat the grass. They keep it. You know, there's a, there are a lot of prevent people it from that, growing and getting getting overgrown. There are a lot of people on one side of the um, spectrum that would say that eating beef is the is a cause of uh some of the environmental problems because of the flatulence and then there's another side methane right and then there's another side of people that uh worship cows as sacred Mm -hmm. and um i mean to the all i can say to that is i like cheeseburgers i mean to the hindus wouldn't that be like the ultimate compliment because they call the cow yeah because they worship cows or is that you? Or is that like using a cow's name in vain? I don't know. Or if you were to eat a cheeseburger, maybe that's like communion. You are you, because you know, the cow is giving its part of itself up. I mean, I mean, communion is is meant to be an intertwining of God and human, hmm. and and just saying. I'm sorry if I just blew some Hindu minds. Huh. Well. I think that's an interesting, uh, interesting sociological uh, and philosophical and theological question. Why do? We, why should we even continue with the podcast? Why don't we just end it now? Yeah, let's just cancel ourselves now. And oh, I didn't say cancel. I just said why don't we just stop now and just go do no, something we should. better? Okay. <laughs> Speaking of canceling ourselves now, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP. That that one didn't really work as well. That's, that's okay. That's all right. Welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of October, the year is 2023. Glad you can be with us. As always, check us out online at osipfoundation.org. If you would like to contact the show via email, use the address podcast at osipfoundation.org. And you can check us out on social media using uh, facebook.com slash osipfoundation or Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation, hashtag how you play the game. Joining us after some well-deserved time off across the way from me, on the screen is the producer engineer of the show, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, welcome back. How you feeling? Pretty good. Um, I just found out that I'm too fat for my life insurance policy. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, can I can I make a very insulting comment? Go ahead. Your life isn't worth shit anyway. We need insurance. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm dead. What do I care? Yeah, exactly. We're um, all dead inside. Right. So apparently, so I got a call from my um, my agent, mm-hmm. um, whom I met last week, to discuss upgrading my policy. Uh-huh. And um, they were really nice. They were really, you know, uh, they were very straightforward with everything. And then he called me back just about ten minutes ago. He's like, "Well, your height weight distribution is uh, is uh, affecting the, the going to affect your monthly premium." So I was like, "Okay." by and it was by like a reasonable amount right and it wasn't obviously it wasn't their fault it's just their their policy their policy and you know it was it wasn't the guy's fault Mm -hmm. so i was just like let me think about that one because uh you know i could either lose weight (laughs) grow taller (laughs) well that was the obvious or stick with my current plan which is fine yeah but i mean 
and I always have the option to switch in the future anyway. Yeah. So maybe you can maybe you can save fifteen percent or more by switching to Geico. Right. Speaking uh, of Geico, did you see the new commercial that features our good friend Jim Joyce in it? No, I didn't. So there's a new Geico commercial on uh, during the MLB playoffs with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. and his wife. Okay. And the 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 joke is that his neighbor is an umpire, and that umpire turns out to be Jim Joyce. Oh, yeah. Good for him. Yeah, and it's actually they, funny because what what they did in the in the whole thing was at the end of the commercial, Jim Joyce ejects his, uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s wife. And then they they go their separate ways, and as they're off screen, uh, Griffey says, uh, "Don't worry, he got me once like that too." And it turns out that Griffey's only career ejection was Jim Joyce's first career ejection. So there's some truth to that. Wait, Ken Griffey Jr. was only ejected once. Apparently, I mean, you want me to go back and check? Really? Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna check this. I mean, that's that's really. I mean once hold on my my phone i'm using my phone and it's creating some interference so i just want to make sure that people understand we're not technologically terrible but i'm using my phone here to oh. all right come on once that's like that's like a unicorn now i mean everyone's getting ejected oh you're right Okay, never mind. It was the player's first career ejection. Jim Joyce ejected Ken Griffey Jr. on June 6, 1989, both the umpire and player's first career MLB ejections. Oh, okay. And then again sometime sometime in October 2023, which was for the uh for the commercial. Okay. So that was sort of their baptism by fire sure. times two. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Again, this is a great place to end the podcast for the day. So, all right. Um, all right. No. Well, it's been great. All right. Um, hey, speaking of ejections, you were going to talk about um, some uh, some psychological uh, umpire things, right? No. Oh. Well. <laughs> fuck me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted. I just wanted I to mess with I read that article. I just for wanted nothing? to. I just wanted to mess with you. I just. I just. I Listen, see. I saw this as an opportunity. I don't read. Okay? No, we know. You sent me that article, and I, you know, I, I read it. I opened it on my browser, and I took the fifteen minutes to read it, and it was excruciating. And I know now that article backwards and forwards, and now you're not going to do it. I feel like I you feel like make the time to do I, it. I was going to say, there's the George Costanza, and you're not in the mood. Well, you get in you the mood. Get in the mood. Oh man, I'm just glad that all of my humor has has been well received as in in, in this type of a uh, an arena, shall we say? So that so that I, I'm 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 almost more proud of myself for the fact that I was able to just utilize it. You know. Just, yeah. just pat myself on the back for eliciting the reaction that I did. It's almost like I never left. <laughs> you kind of <laughs> didn't because like you still produced the episodes. I do still do produce the episodes. Okay, I, you just you just I just uh, had to. I you just, had you you took you just took a well deserved vacation. That's all. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that article in question, as we okay. were as we were preparing for this episode, yes. um, you know, and you, you kind of you know we 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 try and scour the interweb sometimes if there's nothing, um happening you know in the in the in the major world of sportsmanship this one came just happened to come across my proverbial desk um now this article came out in june which is a little time ago but in you know the nature of it is is kind of eternal so we can talk about it now it was uh it was published on uh psychology today and it was uh written by uh frank Smoll, who is a phd um he uh, has a program called um you uh the youth enrichment and sports um program I, I think he i think that's called like the the yes program something like that yes sports mm -hmm. is what it's called yes sports program uh this is this these are he and his not to uh, be confused with the yes network no completely different yes. completely different um and these he, uh, uh small and uh his uh research partner uh ron smith 
are both uh, emeritus members of the uh, Department of Psychology at the University of Washington. So so they they have uh, clearly created some level of expertise or achieved it, I should say. If they created it, that means they started from scratch. But I think they kind of it was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the article is called uh, Referees and Umpires Can Reduce Aggression in Youth Sports. Um, and essentially what it what it, it's discussing is that there are acts of aggression um, you know, that uh, and we're familiar with that, you know, at OSIP, obviously, that that occurred during youth sports and whatnot. And he goes through the article to try and discuss the different ways that these sports officials uh, can play a positive role in in trying to reduce and or eliminate uh, the acts of aggression. So mm-hmm. so he starts by um, citing a, a, a classic work called Human Aggression. Uh, which was written by uh, Baron and Richardson in 1994, and and what he does is the first thing he wants to do is define uh, aggression here because it's necessary to have that foundation, which is which is very very fair. Okay, so the so the first thing they talk about with aggression is they say it's a behavior, so it's not a motive, an attitude, or an emotion. Uh, this is this is a a behavior that uh, includes both verbal and nonverbal acts. Um, violence would be described as extreme physical aggression. Okay. Um, but, but this behavior, uh, you know, when, when I hear the term behavior, I hear it to be, um, you know, some sort, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it could be, I I guess I would call it learned, but I don't want to paint it with that brush, but I, Mm -hmm. but I, I think it's important to describe it as a behavior. They continue by saying, or he continues by saying it's intentional. It's not a, it's not accidental. Uh, it does involve harm or injury. Um, it's directed toward a living being. So basically, uh, kicking a bench is not considered uh, aggression. That's that that would be considered more of a frustration or something like that, according to this. Mm-hmm. And victims of aggression are motivated to avoid it. So basically, that means that um, it's not including sadomasochism uh suicidal acts things like that within within the psychological confines of the of the argument so it kind of lays out a pretty good definition of what this aggression is okay so then it goes into what officials can do uh to try and take a proactive role in curbing the aggression uh the first thing that they that they suggest is meeting with team captains and coaches prior to the start of each competitive event uh, which is interesting because baseball and football, as they know, you have used this approach for decades, but uh, many other sports do not use it. Um, I find that interesting because, you know, before a baseball game, there's always a meeting at the you know plate meeting where you exchange lineups and you go over ground rules and stuff like that. And especially in like high school sports, we go over all of these things as well. And the same thing occurs uh, in football and whatnot. But, you know, there's there's there there's a need for it in other sports um, to to do to do so um it continues by saying dialogue between officials and athletes should be encouraged now this is an interesting point because there's always been this question about how officials and athletes should should act with one another you know there some people say you can't be their friends and in this you know in this kind of a context it it almost wants to say that you can be friendly with them but i think what it does is i think i think this needs to be clarified by saying we we do want officials to have the ability to speak cordially with um all participants during the course of a competition uh while trying to maintain a certain level of respected authority but also saying, look, you know, I'll gladly give you the explanation and chat with you about it uh, so long as we recognize that I still have the final say. Um, the third one is officials should be consistent in their interpretation of the rules and in assessing penalties, which I found interesting. A frequent complaint says here concerns failure to judge recurring rule violations in exactly the same way. Consequently, some athletes feel that the official will not penalize an opponent for committing a foul against them, so they retaliate. 
Additionally, in attempting to maintain the flow of the game or match, referees might tend to overlook initial violations. When this happens, they fall into the trap of having to deal with subsequent acts of retaliation and the potential escalation of aggression. Now, this I find to be very interesting because we're human beings, so we're not going to see everything. You know, we're not going to be perfect. And that point almost to me says, you you know, you have to be consistent in calling this stuff. But what if there's an error that you simply cannot control? You know, it's I mean, philosophically, yes, we would like to be 100 percent consistent. But look at I mean, you look at the strike zone and sometimes, you know, you, you, you miss a pitch or two. So so how do we how do we fully enact that kind of behavior where we can be consistent yeah you know i mean that's that's tough and although the the plays i mean so the the idea i mean that's a goal right right to be consistent is the goal of the official but i think the problem is that the players committing the possible errors or penalties are all different and they happen in different ways yeah and they happen at different times and one official might say one thing and another official might say another depending on how they see uh, depending on what angle right they're at they so so yeah you can call a you can call a play consistent if you're looking at it from the same angle every time right and the same exact thing happens in the same exact way every time or at least it's asymptotic to try and do so you right. know, I, I feel like it might be, I don't know if you'll ever get to 100% of that, but you'll get damn close as long as those conditions are met. You know what I mean? But they, but they never are. That's no. the problem. Yeah, exactly. So, so then you get, you get that, I mean, inconsistency, I think is built into sports Yeah. for the most part because of, you know, the rules are consistent, but people aren't consistent. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no way that you, there's no way that officials can be 100% consistent. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, as I'm reading this, yeah, exact ex- to rule violations in exactly the same way. I mean, that's impossible, right? You we're, cannot we're... have a rule. You cannot have a violation in exactly the same way Yeah, each time. So I don't think, I think that it could be reword reworded to say, Officials should strive, strive for consistency, strive for consistency in how they call, mm-hmm. you know, they call plays, but understanding that this is a, this is a vacillating environment right? with different, with different outcomes. Right. So you can only control what you do. You can't control what somebody else does. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that. I, I, I think I 50% agree with that. Okay. Um, it's, it other... sounds like it sounds like the idea is that we can philosophically support that, but with the caveat of essentially saying, look, you're, what you're asking is impossible and perhaps a rewording of it is appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the article continues to say uh, the use of female officials should be supported. Um, research, uh, indicates that athletes perceive women as less approving of violence than men Moreover, the trend toward using female officials contributes to breaking down gender role stereotypes. Uh, okay, fine. Not even going to, uh, argue against that one right now. Uh, moving on, uh, officials should maintain an appropriate le- high level of physical fitness. Those who struggle to keep pace with speedy young athletes are more likely to be out of position and unable to make proper calls on plays at distant parks, parts of the field, court, or rink. When this happens, the risk of missing initial illegal behaviors like cheap shots increases, which paves the way for more violence. See, now, okay, I feel like we're going back to the initial thing here of saying, yeah, that's great, but we're not robots. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we're I not... I also ro- think it's a little discriminatory in a way. I can see that. I mean... You know, some people can't help that they're a little overweight and, you know, either because of metabolism issues or whatever, what have you, but they really love what they do. And they're good officials. And they're good officials. You know, you know, look at Joe West. That's a great (laughs) point. He had a career spanning, what, 40 years? Oh, God. It might as well have been a million years. 
but but he's what it was his percentage like 96 97 percent he had a pretty good percentage let's put it that way I mean, now, granted, also in his younger years, I'm sure that if he was working the two-person umpire system in the minor leagues, he probably, as a younger man, had the ability to right. move a little faster. And obviously, when he retired, he was a bit older because that's right. how time works. Right. You know, um, you know, so so I mean, is it is it suggesting that we need, you know, officials need to know when to hang him up? Right, because that then it, then that becomes a question of age as right. well. And that I mean, again, I don't want to go down this path because we're really splitting hairs here. But then is that ageism? Right. You know, you were talking about discrimination discrimination here or saying, disability. What yeah. if you have a disability? Like, right. and and I get, oh, I get it. You know, I understand that not everybody can do everything. I mean, we live in that world. You can't make a fish climb a tree. Yeah. I get that. You can't. You but, can't get a man to work at Hooters. Right. But the point. But the point is that. You know, you're if you have someone who's passionate and honestly, we can't really afford to be that picky. We about, have such a shortage about, of officials about. Yeah. yeah about hiring. Yeah. You know what? They have to pass a physical fitness test now. Like, come now, on. Now, now, on one hand, I can understand maybe, OK, you have to have at least a doctor sign off, say that this person is healthy enough to do this for insurance purposes. Right. But but for the purposes of trying to achieve what what this article is suggesting, you know, again, it's uh, is it is it fair to say it's a little bit of a pipe dream? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think it's I think I think this one is a little bit. I don't agree with this one. Um yeah. You know, I, I I totally understand that. You know, and I mean, you were just talking about how your life insurance policy said you're too fat. So right, yeah. Know, so, so like, you know, I mean, it, it's it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, I sort of understand that one because it's directly related to mortality, but but in terms of this, this is at best immortality. Right. See what I did there? Okay. Yes. Or um, indirectly related to mortality. Immortal combat. Immortal. <laughs> um, so a bunch of gods fighting each other. I so, get to be Scorpion. That's pretty cool. Were you who who was your always your go to guy in Mortal Kombat when you played? I liked Sub Zero. Um okay. I did I did like Raiden. I think okay. Raiden was my favorite. Um with the lightning. He was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um I had a thing for Sonya. Uh, who didn't right um i was gonna say chun lee but she she's from That's street fighter, street fighter. <laughs> yeah don't don't mix your your Let's, universes because no god how dare i i will reach through the screen and choke you okay president of the ocean yeah. foundation everyone <laughs> as i as, as you as you and i joke constantly on the golf course kill yourself lol jk yeah <laughs> For people who don't know, what happened was there was an inside joke where Sean said something, and there, it, it was it, he was he was wrong about it, and I I started to just like rain down hell on him. I think it was a meeting time. Was it a meet? That's right. It was between seven and seven thirty. Yeah. And he and he was like, "How dare I get that wrong?" And I said via email, "You know what? Kill yourself." LOL. Jk. <laughs> and he found that so funny, and yeah. I kind of found it increasingly funny as well. And then while we're on the golf because course, because we kept using it, exactly. <laughs> Something happened on the golf course similarly, and I just looked at him. He said, "You know what? Kill yourself." Well, Jk, and the rest <laughs> is history. So we are not actually advocating for people to kill themselves, right? Okay, it's just right. it's they're just funny words. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was always a not to not to go too far off. I was always either uh, Scorpion or Liu Kang. Mm, so okay. I like the I like the idea with Scorpion that I could be cheap as I was learning the game with the right. with the spear, uh -huh. you know, the, the the get over here. Right. You know, and, and it was very easy to do the his fatality. Shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bring him bring Zelda into this. OK. Mm -hmm. And then with Liu Kang, when uh, Mortal Kombat 2 came out, uh, his uh, his bicycle kick was very yes. easy and cheap for me so i could like run through the game doing that right. so that's that that's what i tended to find myself doing uh go. every now and then a little bit of reptile too okay so a splash of reptile splash of reptile which is also the title of my upcoming book okay yeah great so anyway moving back to real things <laughs> um 
the article does say there's a final point of emphasis warranted. It says here, officials are clearly in charge of the manner in which sports are conducted. However, first and foremost, the obligation for teaching sportsmanlike behavior rests squarely on coaches with the support of knowledgeable parents. I feel like that's fair. Yes. Okay. Um, Can't really argue with that one. Can I? Jump back to number four for a second. The uh, female officials. Yeah. So okay. I I I do agree with the statement, mm -hmm. but I feel like that could be taken in a direction where we could sort of go down a rabbit hole, almost like a pandering, kind of like yeah. if it's between a woman and a man. Do you, you don't you want to be in because they're a woman right so I you're mean, basically like, saying you don't want the equivalent of affirmative action here right you i want mean, equality if, uh, gender should not necessarily define whether or not someone can official but uh, can officiate but we should not be excluding men just so that we increase the number of women right and okay. i mean and i mean look i'm all for female officials i think they they should be supported and there aren't enough of them yes um but but I really think that you shouldn't replace one with the other just because there that's fair. You know, like that there, there has to be, there has to be a balance. And, and I think this in a way, although I agree with number four at, at a very, um, at, at a very holistic level, like a philosophical level, philosophical yeah. level, I feel that, some organizations might take that the wrong way. I, I totally understand. It's so, I mean, we, we talk about that all the time in that we say, you know, the 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 uh, ideas of race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, disability, religion, and to a certain degree, age uh, should not be the defining factors into whether or not somebody can do something. It, right. it, you know, we should be inclusive of those things so long as it, you know, it, it's not like you said, the fish climbing the tree kind of a kind of thing, you know? Yes. And um, go ahead. And I was just going to, but, and I was going to explore that to just say, but it should not be uh, exclusionary, as you said, where we're basically, right. if, if it comes down to two equal candidates like that, the decision should not be made because one is a woman and one is not. Right. They should be, they should, their merits should be reviewed and the best person for the job should get it. Fair. It's, it's, that's just, that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, I wonder how this all ties into that decision that Deptford Township made about parents who are irate. Oh uh, yes, during during sporting events, mm -hmm. and then are are then subsequently made to umpire a few games. Yeah, um, I wonder how this all fits into that because, you know, do the these people who are who are made to do this might not necessarily have the knowledge of the game that is required. And they themselves will make a lot of erroneous calls, yeah. but is that what they want? Because maybe they want them to experience the same pain that hired umpires go through, which ump hired umpires go. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. So like maybe it's intentional, but, Here's the thing. Does the game itself suffer as a result of that? Well, I think what they did was in order to uh, kind of marry the practicality of that, they put an experienced umpire on the game with that person. Oh, so like they, to shadow them? Right. So of? essentially, like, let's just say the game, you know, the game uses two umpires. The, um, you know, the parent would be behind the plate and the experienced umpire would be on the bases and essentially that experienced umpire's job is to say look i can bail you out of certain things to help you so that the the integrity of the game is not um compromised beyond uh you know the the, the point of no return right but at the same time they're valuing the experience that this parent is having uh, as being uh, equal to or greater than uh, the result of the game and the experience that the kids are having, yeah. um, which 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 is a, which is an interesting point because then what they're essentially saying is, look, this the outcome of this game, and I'm saying this very very uh, grotesquely, doesn't matter. 
You know, it's it, it, we, we they're they're ultimately trying to go past that that line of saying nobody cares who wins this little league game. It is not going to affect what essentially happens later in life with these kids. Right. Okay. And I would so, say at best these parents are not going to be in playoff games. You know, yes, not I think be, that's I think that's fair. They're, they're going to um, be just at an everyday scrimmage. Right. And they're something. and you know just a regular season game. Mm-hmm. You know, because and because essentially what they're saying is, look, we you know the 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 cost benefit ratio of trying to uh, teach this lesson of good sportsmanship and the respect of officials far outweighs the outcome of the game for the kids. Right. You know, I, I think I think, you know, again, if you're kind of just going down a particular path and trying to figure out exactly what um, what they're trying, what you're trying to, to, to get to here, um, you know, maybe God forbid, if there is uh, a parent who's not a certified official on a game, uh, maybe that leads to, uh, you know, a kid getting hurt when he when he or she should not have gotten hurt again right. we're, we're we're going down a rabbit hole here where we can mm-hmm. really slice the baloney thin okay right. but doing so uh forces us to ignore some of the more important things as to why this matters in the first place yeah you know what i mean um and, and but i think it's an interesting point no you know, it is I, I think it's you an know? interesting point to bring that up and see how it compares with these rules yeah that are laid out in front of us now are these not rules but guidelines that right. are laid out for us because ideally you would want someone experienced and i mean another thing to consider too and i know i don't mean to drag this part of the story on that's but, okay i mean if it's a if it's a parent that everybody knows right do you think that is going to diminish the value of the game? Like it, are they going to just constantly be calling out to the, I mean, but again, is that the point is, is it the point to sort of like give this guy the same shit that he gave to the umpire? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting like little tug of war because I, in in essence, I think it's a great idea. Okay. Right. I think you, Parents should be, if you are that much of a jerk, you need to go out there yourself and see right. what it's like. That is absolutely, that is a fair I a hundred percent agree. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, is the is the collateral damage against the integrity of the game? Again, well, the game, the game, the the game doesn't matter. Like the right. outcome of the game doesn't matter. But I mean, like in terms of. I mean, the, the focus is on the focus should be on the kids and right. and and them having a good time. You know, does this detract from that yeah. in a way? You know, that's another thing to think about. I mean, it 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 raises the question of negative reinforcement essentially in the in the psychological world. In that, you know, when you know you you, you think about when a uh, kid does something bad, they get spanked. Again, and I'm not trying to go down the, the the rabbit hole of should you hit your kids. I'm trying to use a psychological example here. And the, pur- the purpose of the spanking is to say, I'm reinforcing this behavior to say, if you do X, this is the consequence. Okay? And that's essentially what they're doing here. If you do X, which is berate this official, there is a consequence here. Um, to go a step further, it's a retaliation of, well, you did X. How do you like it when someone does X to you? Right. And the debate is more the you know the debate is more about the the merits of that psychological reinforcement and whether or not that's appropriate right. than anything else. And I don't I'm not even going to try and pretend to be uh, a complete expert in in psychology to say that uh, I have a, a valued opinion one way or the other uh, mm-hmm. because I because I do think that there is you know a significant amount of gray nature to it. You you may not like the way it might not be the most philosophically perfect way to get from point A to point B, but if the but if the results are what you want, did the you know did the the ends justify the means? Right. You know. So so you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah. And and I don't think that there's going to be a a specific answer to that, but it is worth the, the examination and discussion. Right. You know what I mean? And you never know. I mean, one of if the parent enjoys actually doing it. <laughs> Maybe you've just what recruited they, somebody. Yeah. Right. 
So yeah. there, I mean, there, and, and and perhaps that's something that they looked at and they said, well, again, if we put we factor this into it, now all of a sudden, maybe we're we're you know we're sitting on a gold mine, Trebek. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. yeah, so yeah, so it's it's very very open ended, shall we say? Yeah, it's gray. It's 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 meant to be that way. Um, but it's interesting, and and it, it, by the same token, that kind of leads me back to this article in that. Again, you you are asking a lot of these questions where you're saying, well, we think that X is the way to do this, and mm -hmm. we're willing to overlook or sacrifice, depending upon, you know, that about which we are speaking, uh, to to say, we'll, we'll, we'll put this at bay in order to achieve this goal. This over here that we put at bay, you know, it might not be possible to do that, but in the terms of writing this article or trying to achieve a particular uh, goal, that's that's what we have to do. Mm -hmm. It's it's tough, hmm. you know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could just jump on a bandwagon with this kind of stuff, but I certainly would not come out and say. 100% oh you're wrong you're absolutely wrong mm -hmm. I, I I I in fact I would probably my initial gut reaction would be to say look I think you're on to something and I think that through the natural workshopping process of beta testing this stuff and and constantly looking to make improvements and this is reference this is in reference to the article right the art to the article and to the what you were talking about down in Deptford Township uh, okay yeah you know I think I think you know the these both of these ideas make sense yeah I, I I like the motivation, and I think that there's there's enough substance there to say, okay, let's see where we can get with this. Um, you know, it, 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 it we may it may be a complete failure, but there's enough of an impetus here. There's enough of a hypothesis here that needs to be. You need to go through the lab uh, report. You know what I mean? Right. You got you got to do the experiment, mm -hmm. and and I, and that's clearly what they did. And to, to kind of take it to the next level, if you visit the website of Youth Enrichment and Sports, the you know, the Yes Sports that um, Frank and Ron have uh, have created, um, I find it very, very interesting that essentially what they're saying here is that their, their program, and now again, you tell me whether or not this is good sportsmanship or not, okay? Let me just, I'll just read it for you. Most coaches are fairly well-versed in the technical aspects of their sport, but they rarely have had any formal training in creating a healthy psychological environment for athletes. Consequently, there's a need for providing educational programs that positively affect coaching behaviors and thereby increase the likelihood that athletes will have desirable experiences. However, what they're trying to do is talk about evidence-based training, and they say, Coach training has become a large-scale enterprise, the most notable being the American Sport Education Program, the National Youth Sports Coaches Association, and the Positive Coaching Alliance. Now, as an aside, I will note that we have had people from PCA, the Positive Coaching Alliance, on our show, and we've discussed mm -hmm. this stuff, okay? They continued by saying, these organizations have good intentions and deserve credit for increasing awareness of the importance of coaching education. However, virtually nothing is known about what effects their programs have on coaches and athletes and how well they achieve their objectives. Although these programs have achieved widespread distribution, there is absolutely no evidence to support their claims of producing beneficial effects. Further, they have rejected the need for program evaluation by stating, quote, we don't need to test it because we know it works from our own experience. History well uh, illustrates the folly that can result from this way of knowing. For example, in the field of medicine, experimental knowledge served as the basis for procedures that physicians knew were effective from their clinical experience. This include purging, bloodletting, blistering, and lobotomies. <laughs> Such treatments were later shown through empirical research not only to be ineffective, but also dangerous and sometimes fatal. Today, no. today <laughs> all major medical and psychological organizations champion evidence-based practice that means that all interventions, whether medical or behavioral, should be founded on firm empirical evidence and should be demonstrated uh, and should should have demonstrated efficacy supported by outcome research. So when I read that, to me, the tone comes off as saying, yeah, they're great, but don't trust them. 
it become, now becomes this, this capitalistic environment where they're trying to say our product is better because we follow the science. And I know I'm using, you know, these loaded terms that have become uh, very popular in the last couple of years. But what is how do you how would you react to something like that being said, especially if you're on the side of, let's say, PCA? Well, I mean, you mean how would I how I would how would I react in terms of the evidence based like being presented with evidence based? Well, the whole thing, because on one hand, I don't think there's anything philosophically wrong with by saying our method does X and we use and we use evidence based training uh, and research to to show that instead, right. which is fine. Yeah. The way that they are that they just described it on their website, though, is essentially something that you would see in, almost in like an attack ad where right. they, where they say, you know, those people can't be trusted because they don't follow the the um, the protocol that. Right. Western medicine has uh, set forth as the golden standard for how we do things here. Right. And so see, don't give them money. Give us money. Right, right, right. So I, I see what you're saying now. Um, I mean, I would I would certainly be miffed at the very least mm -hmm. um, about that. But I think that um, every, you know, everything works differently for different people yeah you know i mean i do believe in the scientific method fair um you know i think that's something we can apply to most things and perhaps maybe we can apply it to these organizations but i think going about it by basically attacking them is not the way to do it I think that if anything, there should be a collaboration between these two entities. Um, and maybe instead of berating them yeah. on what they think they know or don't know, they should reach out to them and say, hey, we'd like to do a joint study. And I think more would be gained from that sort of action than just saying, no, you're doing it wrong. Right. Well, then explain to me how we can do it correctly. Right. And well, maybe we can learn from each other. You know, that sort I, of thing. I yeah, I see that. And I or the other option that I was considering would be to say, you know, when we if like I just use the idea of the of the attack ads. And my whole thing is if you're if you're going to do an advertisement like that, don't tell me why I shouldn't vote for the other person. Tell me why I should vote for you. And in this case, I I I I feel like the, the words chosen here really, uh, whether intentional or not, come off more like the former. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, there needs to be uh, perhaps a a a a, a workshopping of the words of right. the of the rhetoric to say, let's let's present this better so that we don't need to put down people who might be our our uh capitalist competitors even though we all probably want the same thing if anything i could see them being allies yeah i mean like i wouldn't even go to say competitors from a capitalistic standpoint because i feel that if you're all after the well maybe but i, I feel like if you're all after something that's as altruistic as everything mentioned here, you should probably support each other. Like I don't see us as an organization going against these organizations right. and saying, I, I mean, we're not bad mouthing the PCA or anyone. We would never do that because we're after the, we're all after the same thing. I mean, that's, that's good sportsmanship. You know, it's not like it's, we're like, okay. I mean, yeah. From, I mean, it does boil down to money. I mean, we, we have to make money. We have to, you know, we have to be able to support ourselves, but that should not be at the expense of someone else's success yeah. in, in, in relaying and educating and, and spreading the, 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 the spirit of our organization. And, 
you know, and 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 our message. It's essentially that, saying, and because because I think people could hear some of that stuff and say, well, in terms of it sounds like you guys are anti-capitalism, and we're like, no, we're not, because our success does not equal someone else's failure, and vice versa. Right. You know, when when an altruistic um, endeavor is the forefront of your of your motivation. Mm-hmm. You know, at least at least from my perspective, and I, I want to say this as, as a as a subjective thing here, um, you know. I feel like it's a lot easier to, as you say, see the forest for the trees mm-hmm. and and say, listen, if I'm doing OK and I'm getting the job done. There's there's not a lot of reason to sit back and say, well, how can I do more? Right. You know, because well, I also think. I also think people kind of dump on capitalism a little bit when they don't really know what it is. I mean, it's like, it's an enterprise and the idea is to build a community using by gaining wealth or by gaining monetary substance to be able to grow. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not toxic capitalism or corporate capitalism. That's a little bit different in terms of, you know, if at, if you're doing something at the expense of your employees, for example, and the employees suffer as a result of greed, well, yeah, that's a that's a nasty byproduct of of a darker side of capitalism, but capitalism from an altruistic point is to better yourself through the acquisition of finances to be able to help others. So, you know, it, it's you know, it's, it's a very broad and open-ended, I guess, definition. Yeah. But I, I feel like in, in, with regard to 501c3s, like I'm, I'm assuming all these organizations are, right? I hope and, so. Yeah. I did not um, do, I know that PCA is, I'm not a hundred percent sure if this other one is yet. I did not do enough okay. research on that. But I mean, with respect to, to, to that, I mean, if you're a nonprofit, <laughs> it's it's right in the name. I mean, yeah. nonprofit doesn't mean that you can't make a profit. You right. have to make a profit or else you can't exist. You have to make like, money. Yes. You you the the the, the difference is in the semantics and mm-hmm. in the structure of your organization. Right. Right? So but 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 if you're all after the same thing intrinsically, this kind of verbiage is unnecessary. Right. Like it, it, like comparing bloodletting and yeah. lobotomies to sportsmanship. That, that to, definitely. To, like, what is what is that's? Why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I agree that your your choice, their choice of words here, as as much as I value their end goal, their choice of words getting there is a little crass yes that's fair my opinion that uh, that is that is very fair and to go back to to something you said earlier because we were talking about corporate capitalism very very briefly and whatnot i don't want people to think that we're going to have an agenda on corporate or toxic capitalism because i think that that goes into a uh a deeper rabbit hole and a deeper discussion Mm -hmm. um and this is something that we've always debated too sportsmanship exactly sportsmanship i mean being greedy is bad sportsmanship right it's more about (laughs) it's more about you know because i think also you know when when you start going down that road there 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 becomes it's very easy i think for uh people in today's uh society to then assume that there's going to be some sort of political jump that happens there as if one must correlate with the other. Right. And, and for me, there's no politics by the way, behind what I, right. I don't, I don't think that that necessarily has to be true because I can, I can, I can foresee uh, circumstances that are, you know, very, very gray and malleable across the spectrum here. Again, it doesn't have to be an either or, you know, we, we, what we, what we, we can probably agree that greed is not the best thing, but we're not no. about to champion uh, legislation that says you're not allowed to be greedy. Okay, right. listen. In terms of the se- the separation of you know of of state from what we are, I, mean, I don't want to say church and state here. You know, I just you know the our nonprofit intrinsic goal versus how government operates. We're not trying to 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 lobby for legislation here. Right. Our goal is to empower those who will listen 
and through kind of osmosis get other mm-hmm. people to 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 think about the decisions that they're making as opposed it, to laying down laws and rules that say you must do right. this right you and know it's sad that we even have to say that yeah I mean, but, it's sad but it's, that we even have to disclaim that you know yeah. like it's 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 just a statement on how things are now and well and and but and the other part of that too because to, because i do agree that there is some sadness to that there's also i can see some beauty in it because it is a reminder of what we're doing it is it is right. it is it is meant to serve equally as uh the 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 a, a very clear motivation that is meant to inspire us to a certain mm-hmm. degree. You know, it's 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 not meant to be a commentary on where we've gone so much as it is to say, listen, yeah, it's not perfect, but 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 we we're reacting to this and we want to we want to do good. You know, we want to do the good stuff here. Um so so I try I try and look at the silver lining with that where I can while recognizing and respecting everything that that was presented on the other side of it with, you know, the being the sad commentary that it is. You know, so but I think I I feel like we've 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 covered a lot of good stuff here because I think the the the, the whole point of a lot of this, as it is with with much of our discussions, is to say, as we examine this stuff, there's there's not a major conclusion that can be reached here, but Mm -hmm. we can continue the conversation on this so that people understand that this is, you know, we're we we're scratching our heads about this stuff sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. So I I just I think that's I think that's the good stuff in it. Yeah. And I think that's a kind of a good place to uh, put a bow on this one. Do you agree? Yeah, sounds Great. good. Well, it's good to have you back even for uh, one episode and whatnot. So mm-hmm. uh we'll uh we'll keep on keeping on with this. Uh everybody please enjoy uh the 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 beginnings of fall that will take us through the the colder and darker months and we will uh somehow try and survive uh you know less golf well (laughs) well not for me for you no well no yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah see what happens when you're a loser like me you play more (laughs) golf okay um sean thank you was always great to have you back appreciate all everything and um as always everybody remember that we're at osipfoundation.org the email address for the show is podcast at osipfoundation.org on social media we're at facebook.com slash osipfoundation twitter and instagram at osipfoundation hashtag how you play the game we'll talk to everybody in just a few short weeks and until then please treat each other with respect how you play the game is a production of the osip foundation incorporated The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by Soundspring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.